Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Drinking and Screaming, a new podcast we're doing about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char. And I'm Kelly. And this week, we're continuing our Month of Candle Nights event by watching Krampus. For those of you who don't know, Candle Nights is a non-religious holiday time that the McElroys came up with on their podcast. And it basically just encompasses the feeling of the holidays. So rather than doing Christmas, Christmas, we're doing candlelights. Woo! But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we created this drink to be festive and something that divides families everywhere over the holidays. Eggnog. I don't know what you're talking about. Eggnog is perfect. Some delicious, people don't like it. And it's the best thing See, ever. See, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> also, I'm sick this episode, but I'm standing, so maybe it'll just sound like a regular episode where I'm not standing. Ah. But also, eggnog was a bad choice because I'm going to get more and more phlegmy as the episode goes on. So we got to go quick. We have to go quick so I can blast out the phlegm. <laughs> <laughs> you made this lovely, lovely drink. Tell me about it. Uh, so this drink is called the Family Survival Kit. Okay. <laughs> because it is essential if you want to survive any holiday that you might be experiencing with family. Because mm. notoriously, family sucks, and bringing them together to one location is usually a bad idea. I see, I see. That's very smart, actually. So it, it is, as you said, an eggnog drink. And in the past, I've always had eggnog warmed up, which seems to be like a rare thing, I guess. I don't know. I would. Ass- I think you can do it either way. Yeah. Yeah. I guess every time I've talked to my friends, they always have it like cold. But uh, yeah, so I warmed it up and I threw some liquor in there and then I threw some spices on it. And now it's this warm, bourbony, delicious, delicious drink. It's really sweet. Yeah. But I like it. I think like modern store-bought eggnog nowadays is more sweet than eggy. Mm-hmm. Like traditional eggnog is very egg flavored. I think this is the first year I've had eggnog, really, because it sounds gross. It does sound gross. Which always made me hesitant to try it. A friend of ours made some for our holiday party this year, and it was really good. That was a cold version, but this is a hot version, and I like it. Yeah, his was also like more traditional, so it was basically like egg and sugar and alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, whereas I feel like the modern ones, like probably in the same way that like pumpkin spice isn't pumpkin anymore. Right. It's like different spices That's that make true. I feel like eggnog in general, like the what is it? I don't know. The everyone knows the eggnog you can buy from the stores. Yeah, yeah. It's like more sugar and flavoring and stuff like that. It's gotta have an egg in it though. It's probably also got an egg in it. <laughs> but I, can you make scrambled eggs by just throwing some eggnog on a pan? I don't even want to try that. That makes me want to gag. I was thinking, uh, while making this that like I wanna have like eggnog French toast. But maybe like alcoholic eggnog French toast? Yes. That would be good. I don't love French toast, but I think it's been so long since I've had it. Maybe my tastes have changed. But as a child, I did not love French toast. Maybe like all things, uh, it was not being made properly for you. (laughs) Because you didn't like Brussels sprouts for the longest time until throwing some vinaigrette and baking them. Yeah. And you realized, hey, these are actually good and not mushy and gross. I think the last like two years I've realized that like sometimes you can burn things on purpose and it tastes good. Yeah. Just like eggnog where I accidentally (laughs) spilt it on our gas range uh, stovetop. Delicious smells in our home, friends. But yeah, do you you like it? I do. It's it's sweet. Uh, Definitely. I don't think I could have a lot of this. 
But yeah, I do like it. Um, I like the added spices on top. I think that you were worried it was going to be too cinnamony. Oh yeah, for the glamour shots, I put more cinnamon on top. The glamour. Because there's there's uh, cinnamon in it that I cooked, like I uh, heated up into it. Mm -hmm. But for the sexy photo shoot, I had to sprinkle some more on. And I was afraid it would make it more too cinnamony. I think I got the majority of the cinnamon though. So. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, I like it too. And you used amaretto in here. I mean, spoilers. But that's like, that's what is also extra sweet. Yeah, but it makes it kind of nutty too. Yeah. It's like a sweet egg nut with uh, bourbon. Egg nut, you say? Egg nut. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, would, I used to use rum as well, but I think rum, I think spiced rum versus bourbon, I think bourbon adds like a much nicer flavor to the eggnog. There's something about it that just makes it feel more alcoholic to me. Because just bourbon, spi- or- bourbon, yeah, spiced rum is like, eh. I think bourbon might be more alcoholic than rum. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So it tastes more alcoholic because it's it more is. alcohol. So aha, uh-huh, I'm smart. You think after a whole season of doing these, I would be able to give better critique? I mean, we haven't really done many <laughs> rum drinks because we don't have any rum sponsors. So if anyone out there is a rum sponsor, let us know. Yeah. But yeah. what's the Amaretto sponsor? Sons of Vancouver. Continue to give us Amaretto and we'll find out other ways to make drinks taste like nut. Haha. So this week we watched Krampus, which premiered on December 5th, 2015. It's directed by Michael Dowtry, written by Michael Dowtry and Todd Casey. Did and you listen to an interview on how to pronounce his name properly? No, I am winging it on the fly. Because I would say like Daughtery. Maybe Dottery? we should stop and listen. No, it's fine. One of those is right. Oh, boy. But this synopsis, I think, is one of the best ones we've had. I did not write it. It's from IMDb. But I really like it. So here we go. When his dysfunctional family clashes over the holidays, young Max gets disillusioned and turns his back on Christmas. Meanwhile, this lack of festive spirit unleashes the wrath of Krampus, a demonic force of ancient evil intent on punishing non-believers. All hell breaks loose as beloved holiday icons take on a monstrous life of their own, laying siege to the fractured family's home and forcing them to fight for one another if they hope to survive. Yeah, that was a good description. That was excellent. It covered a lot of the movie. And as I say that, more... Phlegm is happening? More eggnog is building up ah, in my mouth. delicious. Hit me with that trailer audio. With the kids jingle bells. Merry Christmas. Looks like Martha Stewart threw up in here. This is delicious, honey. A little dry. Well, mine's delicious. Mine's dry. Do you want to trade? How are we going to survive Christmas with 12 people stuck in a house with no heat and no electricity? Or food. There's plenty of leftovers, Howard. Beer it is. His name is Krampus. He and his helpers did not come to give, but to take. That was pretty cool. This first one and second one. Hey, (laughs) we could pretend I found the right trailer the first time. Yeah, that was actually <laughs> that one was actually a really good, like a well edited trailer. I think. Yeah. Although it did show a lot of the creatures that you see in the movie, I think it left enough out that it was still suspenseful and worth watching. Yeah, I agree. Plus, it's like just from the title alone, you can kind of assume what's gonna be happening. Yeah. Although apparently there was another movie called Krampus that came out the exact same year, that oh. looked much lower budget. Oh. Yeah. 
And is, this, is this diving into our scaredy facts? Because you did them this time. Well, when I was like looking at IMDb, like I might be wrong, but I think I saw one that was like Krampus 2015. There are quite a few. I, yeah, you're right. And I think this movie actually has a sequel as well. Ooh. Krampus 2 Resurrection. I don't know. Candle Night Season 2, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought that was a good trailer. Much better than that first trailer we watched. Hey. <laughs> yeah. I tried to find a teaser. I was like, this is weird. It only has 471 views. It seems okay, though. Yeah, definitely fan-made and Not awful. that good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the like first half of the teaser was just the dinner scene. I think that trailer, like the official one, actually showed a few scenes that weren't in the movie. We never actually saw the dad pouring liquor into a mug. No, we did. Did we? Yeah. Did we get this? When he says, like, my food is delicious and... The, do you want to trade? Yeah, I don't think they said, do you want to trade yeah. in the movie? I don't, I'm not sure, but that part was funny. So they weren't spectacular scenes that were added, but, but there were some scenes in the trailer, which I think is good. I think, I guess, like, nowadays, a lot of the stuff doesn't get on, like, doesn't get cut out. But, like, I think they should show more stuff that's not going to be in the movie. I am... What are you saying? I'm in the exact opposite. What? I don't want to see things and be excited for them and then watch the actual movie and it's not fucking in there. Are you kidding me? I don't want to see things and be excited for them and then see them again in the movie. Well, you got to leave the really, really good scares. I but g- you don't want to promise something and not deliver. That's fucked up. I mean, I want, especially with like comedy movies, I don't want to get all the jokes in the trailer. I don't want any of I Give me some jokes that were cut. And then, but it gives me like the sense of what the movie's gonna be about. That's different. That's different. Comedy, I will give you a bit of leeway there, but it's my biggest pet peeve when there's like intensely scary things in trailers and then it's not in the movie. Like the biggest thing for me is the Evil Dead tongue cutting of the remake was like super hyped up in the trailer and then it was like barely in the film. Did we ever watch Evil Dead? No. Oh, okay. I've seen it. Oh, I didn't. Okay. I was oh. like, are you just reading this online that the, there was a tongue cutting scene or no, something? No, that's just a, something that jumps out of like an example that I can say. Even that I think I'm okay with. I don't know. I like the no! idea. I like the idea of getting like a sense of what is going to be in the movie without actually seeing what's going to be in the movie. Like game trailers, they're, a lot of their like teaser trailers or their announcement trailers like never end up being a part of the game. Like it's always just introducing the main character and like the world and stuff like that and like this high highly produced cinematic trailer that's true i don't want to i hate being spoiled on things in movies i don't think it's i don't view it as well oh that's tough because the i agree that like i don't want to i don't want the big surprises to be there in the trailer i do want to have that impact of watching it but i watching it for the first time in the moment but i don't want to be given something and be super hyped for it and then it's gone but like say we've seen cabin in the woods you know the mermaid when it finally reveals the mermaid yeah near the end would you rather the trailer have the guy crawling backwards as something like the camera stalking towards him then it cuts to him he's like you gotta be kidding me and then the trailer ends or something like that or would you rather him crawling away and then it cuts to the mermaid the first one yeah exactly so like don't show a lot of just hint towards what's going to be into in it that's it, fine but my point isn't that i don't mind that i don't want to the tongue cutting one makes sense if that just never happens yeah but if it like if they can add like a part 
that wasn't in it of the person like reacting more to what is about to come. And then you're like, oh shit, I got to see what that's going to yeah, be. That's okay. That's fine. Don't fucking show the tongue split open and then wiggling or whatever. I don't know. I, don't, <laughs> I never saw it. So I only assume. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. You the, got the gist. Also, I have to interrupt because I realized that my first few sips of this cocktail were divided. I think my drink had like settled. Oh. So as I swish it now, I like it more. Do you get more alcohol in it? Yes. Nice. So, because it was just like very sweet, but now that it's, now that I'm mixing it, it's better. See, I think be, from drinking just like straight cock, like, just whiskey or something like that. I'm so used to just wiggling my hand around to mix the ice up. Right. That I just do that inherently with my drinks now. I don't do that. Like one a cigar in one hand and my drink in the other, just swishing around. <laughs> I think that's the most we've talked about trailers. Yeah. We could make an entire Whew. podcast about how bad trailers are made. That's that's for another year. <laughs> it's fair, yeah. One one episode of just trailer talks. Do you want to start talking about our points? Yeah, I figure you should go first since you're doing scaredy facts this time so we can break it up. Yeah, so it's not just me talking a whole bunch. Talk, 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 talk. My first point actually might have changed a little bit now because my memory of seeing the trailer of this movie was that it was kind of like a B-horror movie, especially because I didn't recognize any of the actors or anything, so I didn't know how big they were. But they are very big. Yeah, because this was like 2015. This was four years ago before I'd seen Hereditary or... The Good Place. Yeah. That's the first place I can think of the dead. So like for me, why, when we started watching this movie, I was expecting like uh, like one set like they did in, it, all in the house and not that much exploration and just like a few jump scares and stuff like that. Right. But it's like surprisingly this movie looks high budget. The creatures alone are like not just CG. Not that CG is cheap, but like you can see that there are practical effects there oh, yeah. as well as also CG stuff too. Like the Jack in the Box is clearly like a giant um, costume for somebody to wear. The uh, the angel that like flies and attacks people. That was creepy. It kind of looked like, what's her name? Valentine or whatever from Chucky. The Bride of Chucky. Oh, yeah. Her uh, face kind of looked like her. Is that her name? Something Valentine. That's going to really bother me. I don't remember her first name. The actual gingerbread men looked really bad, though, because they were all CGI. Oh. Like, comparatively to the rest of the creatures who are all, like, practical effects, I think they looked pretty bad. But yeah, like, just... Tiffany! Tiffany Valentine. Yeah. Just the rest of the movie, though, like, the, the sets for, the, like, the snowy areas... And like the other house that was fully destroyed. The snowmen too outside were super yeah. creepy, super cool. The cinematography was really well done. Although they did that like really cheesy thing and they do in action movies where like someone's going to say a one liner. So they zoom in on their face and then they say the one liner and yeah. then action happens. But that was kind of like the point of the style they were going for. Yeah. And everyone got one too. Even the uh, shitty aunt. When who she, like, drank eggnog by the way. drank eggnog. Maybe she was just survive- trying to survive the family. <laughs> But uh, yeah, my point was that it just looked really good. It was just a really good looking movie. Yeah. And they had that whole animated sequence too, which probably wasn't cheap. That was like going to be one of my points, but like they did a whole Deathly Hallows-esque complete genre change or not genre change. What would you call that? Like Style change? Yeah. Yeah. Of like claymation, like Coraline almost. 
And that was super cool. Mm-hmm. I always like when fantasy movies do that. I hated it in Deathly Hallows, but it worked. Oh, really? But it worked in this one. I liked it in Deathly Hallows. See? I liked that style. But now that we've been to Universal and seen the actual puppetry shows that they do of that style, that is so much cooler <laughs> to me. But in the movie, I was like, what is going on? Stop it. So you would have liked if as, uh, what's her, his face? The writer Lula for Lovegood's the squibble. father. Quibbler, not the squibble, come on. If he came out with a bunch of puppets and he's like, let me tell you about the Deathly Hollows. That would have been so much cooler. Um, (laughs) Hands went to Luna Lovegood. You got to play the part of the younger brother. Hell yeah. I know. I thought it was really good for this, especially because like, even though it was high budget, it kind of was a schlocky movie. So like the fact that it like zooms in on the grandmother to tell her like old Austrian story and then cuts to like this cartoon was like on brand, I think. Yeah. 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 It's pretty good. My second point is that in this movie, Toni Collette looks like she was ripped directly from this movie and put into Hereditary because, like, <laughs> the costume design and the direction of her character and stuff was, like, identical to Hereditary. Because both of them, she's a mom. She's a tired mom. Yeah, hardworking, stressed. Hates fucking around with these stupid kids. Family is annoying. Yeah. <laughs> One of her kids dies. Oof. Literally the first person that dies in this movie was one of her was her daughter. So early. That yeah. was weird. But uh like even her costume design though, like when the I think when the Krampus Snow first shows up, she's in like this long kind of like house coat with PJs underneath. Yep. That looked identical to the costume she's wearing when she burns the journal in hereditary. Okay. And like her hair was done up the same way. And there's a shot where she's like leaning up against a cabinet, just like hyperventilating that looked exactly like she did in hereditary. You're just waiting for some paint thinner to be thrown in there. Exactly. It was like, they were just the same character, but used for (laughs) one was for a Christmas movie. And one was definitely not a Christmas movie. What? Hereditary is a Christmas movie. Is it? No, they never, (laughs) never does Christmas happen. No, it's not. But uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. I don't know if that's like a slight at her or a slight at the direction of Ari Aster, I guess. I don't know. I think eh, that's okay. I don't think it's a bad thing. (laughs) She was a a mom. Yeah, I guess. And And now I'm trying to think of like the direction of the dad. If I have seen him be a dad in anything, I wonder if it was similar. Well, but, he's always, it's also like style of a, those actors too. Yeah, he's always like that quippy, sarcastic. Yeah, he's definitely a comedic actor. It was nice to see Tony Collette in something that was so funny because I think of her in Hereditary, but also in Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. The Netflix uh, rape story. Which, which was, was definitely not funny. No, but she also has, she has that same harsh firmness in her voice and like, tough girl act which she always has in her body yeah in anything she does because that's just who that she is as a person which is key to acting you got to find yourself in the character it's true and it clearly hasn't like made it hard to find work yeah. i guess whenever they're just like we need a tough ass mom to play the character Take they, no shit they do her or uh <laughs> or her yeah <laughs> was the what was that movie you watched recently the christmas with the cranks oh yeah with um, what's her name? I like that. That's where you, where you go to Christmas with the Cranks, the Halloween woman. Yep. Anyways, you know what I'm talking about. Wow. Why is it? It's on the tip of my tongue. Jamie Lee Curtis. There you go. She's not really a hard ass mom though. <laughs> well, she's in Friday Freaky Friday. I was gonna say Friday the Thirteenth. Is she? She's not even really a hard ass in that one. She kind of is. No. Anyways, do you want my last point? I do. I found that the pacing of this movie was really strange. 
So like the first half of the movie is basically introducing the Krampus, like the fact that they're now all fucked. Cause it, it was sort of like the mist where a bunch of people get together, something keeps them inside and now they have to like survive inside for a while. Yeah. And it wasn't until like, I don't know. I want to say like 75% into the movie did like the action actually start happening and people started like dying off and stuff. Like the daughter died really early. So early. And there was no payoff of it either. No, which makes sense with the ending when you think about it. But there was like six deaths within two minutes near the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. Like the grandma sacrifices herself. The dad sacrifices himself. The the other mom gets killed. The uh, sister gets killed. Um, and the other mom and the other mom sacrifice like everyone just <laughs> dies within two minutes leaving Max alone to like try to sacrifice himself which was so bad I'm glad the movie was like no fuck you yeah like three times he's like no dude take me and then the music changes and then it's like haha just kidding no I'm the Krampus yeah into the hole you go um, <laughs> which was pretty good like I I liked that it subverted your expectations of what like a holiday movie would be Especially because they tried to lift your spirits with like the holiday music and stuff and yes. made you think he had to learn a lesson at the end of the day. And like, oh, yes. As it, most holiday movies have. Exactly. Like maybe, especially when he wakes up at the end and you're like, oh. It was all a dream. It was all a dream. But then it's not. Then it's not. I've got a. do you want the fact about the ending or do you want to wait? <gasps> no, do you want to do it wait. now or wait? I want to wait. I want to be surprised. But. Yeah, I think the they gave us so many characters that I expected more people to die, like, siphoned off. Like, someone would die, then someone would, they would go to rescue them, and then someone from that group would die, and then they would come back. And, like, it would, I thought it would be more, like, one at a time, rather than, like, three people died. Wait, 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 wait. The rest of them die. It's fair. It's just weird pacing, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, I talk about that a bit in my final thoughts, so I'm going to... Hold on to my comments. Well, then it's good that we'll start your facts because I am done with my facts. Oh my goodness. Points. I keep calling them facts. They're not facts. They're opinions. They're (laughs) literally the opposite of what a fact is. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's okay. We're going to take a moment to talk about our sponsors and socials. We're approaching the end of our very first season of Drinking and Screaming. We'll be taking a month-long break after our month of Candle Night celebrations, and we'll be back for season two stronger than ever. If you have any feedback or ideas for us, the best way to make them happen would be to become a patron. Head to patreon.com slash drinkandscream to earn some sweet rewards like swag, cocktail recipes, bonus episodes, and really make your opinion count. I'll probably be releasing the bonus episodes between season one and season two, so if you want to get more of us... That would probably be the best way to do it. It'll hold you over. Yeah. Uh, this episode of Drinking and Screaming is brought to you by Sons of Vancouver Distillery, who provided us with the number 82 Amaretto used in today's holiday eggnog. Uh, they ask us to not be too salesy about them, but honestly, we love them. We've got like four different drinks from them, and it's probably been in the majority of our cocktails this season. Yeah, they're really cool, guys. We 100... 100% are just going to go back to their distillery, even if they don't give us more next season. But, you know, obviously, if they give us some more next season, that'd be great. And if you wanted to support them, you can go and actually buy their stuff online. They ship anywhere. So you can go to sonsofvancouver.ca. Sweet. They didn't want us to say that, but I wanted because <laughs> I like them. <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream. 
Facebook at Drink and Scream, or email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. You can give us some warm, fuzzy feelings this candlelight season by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or Podchaser. We read them all. We love them. And for Discord, we're going to cozy on up with our partner, Super Hopped Up, so check out bit.ly slash hoppeduppdiscord. I'm actually a fan of our little drinking and screaming channel in there. It's bumping. Conversations are flowing. We get a lot of our suggestions for... Uh, bonus episodes that we could potentially do from there as well. Mm -hmm. And we learn of a lot of horror movies that we would never have even thought about. Here's a promotion for another lady-driven and pop culture podcast, Make It Modern. They're currently going through some Netflix holiday movies, which we talk about a few in this episode. Uh, So check them out. Are you looking for a history podcast to grab some quotes for a last-minute paper? Or maybe your presentation on Jane Eyre needs a punch-up. Then do not listen to us. Do not. Like, we're begging of you. (laughs) I'm Ashley. And I'm Kelsey. And we host Make It Modern, a podcast where we talk about history, literature, and all things made before the year 2010 in a way that would probably be frowned upon by any teacher. We basically delve into the past and stumble into the present. We discuss things like what type of rosé is appropriate for a medieval execution and how we've all been bingleyed one time or another. So if you love hearing about people, places, and things with so many issues they could be a Julia Michaels song, join us every Thursday on Spotify and iTunes. And be sure to follow us on Facebook at Make It Modern and also on Twitter and Instagram at capital M-I-M underscore podcast. My first fact is I really empathize with Max because he's an older kid who still believes in Santa. And I, you know this about me, but dear listeners, an embarrassing fact about Char, I believed in Santa until I was like 12, maybe. Oh. And it's, I have this story that I'm going to share with you all. Perfect. And Are we going to animate the podcast when you're telling this story? Yes. Okay. Exactly. So imagine that we're all puppets. Right now. Right now. Good work. So baby Shar, well not baby, I was like probably five or six. Baby Shar, do do Oh no, that's stuck in everyone's head forever now. We were at my cottage up north in Montreal and it was Christmas time. And whenever we do Christmas at the cottage, it was always like a real Christmas tree that we cut from our forest. And like it was very rustic, super fun. From your haunted forest. It's not haunted. Where children go to get lost. Yes, we know. We all know about this. And um, part of the Christmas tradition is that my dad, speaking of the haunted forest, would take us out into the woods to find the perfect Christmas tree. And we would always, it was me and my two siblings, Chelsea and Chris, and we would always find lots of really good trees. And my dad would always be like, no, no, we have to go further. We need to find the really greatest tree. And now I know it's because my mom was wrapping all our presents Um, while this was happening. I thought he was just hoping that the witch of the forest would pick one of his children that year. Ah. Yeah. No. But then that evening of like actual Christmas time, Christmas Eve, I went to sleep and my parents were in the same room as me. And I remember being woken up in the middle of the night to hoof sounds on our roof. And this is very crystal clear in my mind to this day, which I assume now that I must have been dreaming or something but it was so vivid and I woke up and I like heard them and I was positive that Santa was putting the presents under our tree 
And I couldn't open the door because I was like, if I open the door, it's going to mean that I'm naughty and I'm not going to get my presents. <laughs> so I woke up my parents and I told them, dad, dad, mom, mom, Santa's here. I heard the reindeer. My dad was like, oh, wow, Char, go back to sleep. Like they had already probably put the presents out and everything. Yeah. Meanwhile, so this is like the true story. Like I knew I had evidence. Not ki many kids have <laughs> evidence of fucking reindeer on our roofs. Um, and then flash forward like five, six years later, I'm 12 years old at the cottage again. Usually our Christmases are at home, but again, we were at the cottage and I found a note folded up on my mom's dresser and I was like fooling around and I like opened it up and then it was a list of all the gifts in everyone's stocking oh. in my mom's handwriting. And I was like, <gasps> and I remember going into the bathroom holding that note and like being like, but I know that the reindeer are on the roof. <laughs> but look at this note. This has to be my mom. I don't understand. And that was the heartbreaking reality that set in slowly. Did they like confirm it for you? Did you confront them that year? Or did you let them have the joy of give, pretending that Santa was still around? Um, I think it would. It just became like Santa. It's like how Candle Nights is. Like Santa is still Santa. Like mm. he's obviously still real. He's the magic of candle nights yeah your siblings were far more nice than my cousin because i used to remember like for some reason we always had christmas at my aunt's place i think because it was bigger right oh every time i would sneak out it, to like look at the presents or to try to catch santa it was obviously after my parents had already put all the gifts out yeah so it was like 5 a.m or something like that i would sneak out and be like haha i'm gonna catch santa and then there would all be already be presents and i'm like you're shoot like, <gasps> i missed him. next year because <laughs> our parents on christmas eve would have like game night basically so every, all the family would all the parents would come over they would play poker and they would drink and stuff like that and the kids would all have to hang out in their room so i think they actually while they were doing uh. poker one of the yeah they had their whole setup and scheme and then i think when i was like nine or something like that it was almost christmas time and i was like man i'm excited for santa to come and mike's like yeah there is no santa i found <gasps> out and oh, I found out, so I have to tell you. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> what? And he's like, yeah, it's just our parents. And I was like, oh. So I went and told my mom, and she got mad at my cousin. <laughs> Damn it, Mike. So mine was nine, which I think is still pretty good. That's pretty old, yeah. Yeah. I wonder what the youngest. If if someone's got a younger story of when they found out, let us know. Tweet at us or something when you found out. When your childhood was destroyed. <laughs> my next point, my next fact is that <laughs> it's another story, kind of, which is just in relation to the opening like half hour or so of Krampus is like a hectic Christmas time. Well, it starts with a whole basically like Black Friday Christmas shopping. Oh, yeah. With like slow motion, awful fighting with extras and stuff. I don't have a f the fact of it, so I'll let you know that that, was, that scene was actually filmed in one day in a mall in New Zealand. Nice. That's it. That's my fact. Fun. The like after that scene, it's basically like dinner at Max's house and like the fam the extended family comes and then the unexpected family member comes and everyone's like complaining about the food and you can tell that the mom's done all this hard work. So then that make 
really reminded me of my family's Christmases. Not that my family's Christmases are <laughs> terrible, but they get pretty crazy because my dad is one of six boys in his family and they yeah. each went off to have their own families with like three around three kids each. And it somehow became my immediate family's responsibility. I guess my dad is the oldest, so it kind of makes sense of having Christmas at our house yeah. all the time every year. And really, it becomes my mom's responsibility. She does all the cooking and all the cleaning and all the prepping and all the everything. And I just felt so, I felt such emotion watching Tony Collette fight for her Christmas battle, making everyone happy and everyone being assholes to her. And I was like, my mom does this all the time. There's my a, mom is so great. There's also an element of like, I don't want to say like traditional or whatever, but like, I think you and I have found this a bit, like going back to my family's place for holidays is that there's like a certain set in their ways style of Christmas that a lot of these families do, yes. especially like rural families mm -hmm. where like in the trailer, Tony Collette's like, well, what did you want? Like macaroni and cheese with hot dogs cut up in it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And cause she was trying to make like Austrian style food and like fancy stuff. Like yeah. she made creme brulee dessert and everyone's like, I don't fucking want this. Which at the end of the day, I guess like that's sort of on her because she knows this family is just a whole big bunch of redneck hicks. So make them just whatever and then you don't have to fight. Yeah. But I think she's also I think her mindset was because we know that the other family is not well off. They're struggling financially, whereas the fam Max's family is well off. Like they have a lot of yeah. surplus money. They're like a lawyer and something. I can't remember. Yeah. So she I think to, she like, was like doing them? a gift. Yeah. yeah. Which... But I mean, you have to know your audience of who you're giving gifts to. I think the gift would have just made a lot of mac and cheese with <laughs> with cut up hot dogs in it. Yeah. I mean, I got to do two Christmases because my parents were divorced. Aha! I had to like... Double presents, double Santa. Yeah. Except one of my fam... My dad's side, um, his parents were like very religious. So it was like the say grace. Did you go to mass? And, like, uh, I think I went to... I think my grandma brought me to church once and then I didn't like it. And so they didn't, my mom told them not to do it anymore. That's fair. Because I was like, I don't want, like, stop making me do this. I gave up my religion when I was eight. Nice. It was a very big ordeal in our family home. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like elbows off the table. It was very much like proper and, and I hated it. But then I did get two gifts and they were kind of loaded. So I got nice gifts from them. <laughs> so that was good. Uh, my next point, I'm done with my storytelling now. Um, oh. I'm going into hard facts. Oh, you so like we're not, my story we're not animated anymore? No. <laughs> ah, Human again. Bones are growing back. Ah, my flesh. It's becoming redder. Ah. <laughs> I've, the hole in the bottom of my legs where people put their hands up is closing up. Oh, my. And now it's just for um, oh, was the other one. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Ah, okay. I'm not animated I anymore. I mean, for you, it's still. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but my next point is I don't understand why the grandmother refused to speak English when she could perfectly well speak English. And it wasn't like, oh, I hate other languages or like this is dumb because it felt like it was going to be a plot point later, but it wasn't. And then they did this like weird thing of like sometimes not saying like sometimes translating what she's saying and sometimes not. And like the whole family itself, like the immediate family, Max's family had this like non-cohesive way of communicating, which I guess is like the point. Like they they don't communicate well and like they're losing their family touch. 
But that seemed so off to me and not in a way of like it's showing us that they're disconnected. Yeah. It was just bad. <laughs> it didn't make us think that we didn't have subtitles on or, or we didn't like get the right version or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. From our the one that fell off a truck. Yeah, the one that we legally acquired. Yeah. But I think there is, I don't know about Austrian, but I think there is a level of like respect that you give to older people who speak a different language where like if you know the language, like let them speak it because it's what they grew up with and it's like keeping them connected to their their youth kind yes, of. Yes, but then like why did Max pay, why did Max have the effort of learning what his grandmother was speaking and like his mom didn't care? I think there are people that can learn to understand a language without being able to speak it. Yeah. Especially if they like speak it broken, then it I would sound worse. Because like I, I've had friends who like their uh, parents like speak Korean or something like that and they just speak English to their parents and it's perfectly fine. Yeah. I think it's just like, again, a respect thing to let them speak their language, but also like speak your language because it's what you're more proficient with. And clearly she spe- she understands English as well. When she was speaking English, it was kind of broken. Like her whole story had that like that old Austrian flair to it. I don't think it was broken English. I think she just used, yeah, more traditional vocabulary. Yeah. What's it called? Like labored. It was like labored English. Mm. You could see that she was like really focusing to speak English. Okay, that's fair. But yeah, I think the the biggest part of that was how confused we were. That it's like it's like watching Chewbacca talk, and you're like, what? And oh, but everyone understands them. Oh, that's right, Chewbacca. See, but that makes more. At least that was consistent. In this one, sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Then they did have subtitles sometimes. Did they? Yes. Really? Yes. I don't think there was subtitles. I think there was. I think there was never. I think instead it was all just when Max is like, oh, she said this or something. I think you're misplacing. I don't think there's any subtitles. Well, even so, if that is the case, I'd still think it was very distracting for my brain to have like so many different ways of dealing with that. The weirdest part is I think that she spoke English to the Krampus. When she had her final encounter, I think she spoke English, which is super weird mm. because both of them are German. So say just speak German to Krampus. Yeah. And then my last point is that it was really cool to listen to to watch this movie and like really pay attention to the soundtrack. For me, so many like bells were going off every time a new song came on because I recently I mean, you know this, but listeners, I've recently started singing on cruise ships Ooh. over the holidays where we do like classic traditional Christmas carols while people have a Thanksgiving or a Christmas dinner and stuff. And it was amazing to hear all the music selections that they made in this film because they had like traditional classic radio Christmas. Then they also had traditional like carols and then they had twisted Christmas carols that they really like tweaked and made minor keys and really fucked with the melodies a little bit, but like still had that classic vibe to them. That was really, really cool. They apparently also integrated uh, animal skin drums and like pipe organ or like pipes Ah. and stuff. Pan, like flutes. Pan flutes, yeah. Yeah. Like they integrated more like old style, like kind of demonic instruments into a lot of those carols as well. Nice. That was one of the facts that I read. But yeah, it was to make it sound like very haunting. And it worked. It was very effective. I love the soundtrack of this movie. Also, this drink is very buddy approved. Is it? It is. Good. I mean, it's got cream. I think eggnog has cream in it. Yeah, it's dairy-ish. Yeah, it's dairy adjacent. Yeah. And that's it. That's my last point. Are you ready for... Scaredy facts. <laughs> Nailed it. Should have done that for the last episode, but Damn whatever. It. I just thought of it. You did scaredy facts last time. Yeah, so. it was my bad. So, um, 
on a cold winter's night when nothing could be heard, not even a buddy, Shara and I will watch scary movies aplenty, and then we will tiptoe on to the bedroom where we will lie in bed and read trivia to each other. We're animated again at this part, just in case you needed to know. (laughs) And Shaw's head will be filled with trivia as she drifts off to slumberland. So now we've integrated this very spooky, but also whimsical (laughs) whimsical, uh, tradition into our podcast. Good work. Thank you. I like that. Speaking of traditions... You've been doing the budget for all of these, so I've also included the budget. I'm Spooky Santa. I'm Edgar Allan Santa. (laughs) The budget for this was actually only $15 million. Only. Well, that seems low for what they accomplished. They must have just really used their resources really well. Yeah, it was awesome. I imagine the use of practical effects like the puppetry and stuff like that probably saved them more money than doing it all in CG. All the masks were super cool, too. Oh, yeah. All the, like, elves and their little... I love that. It kind of reminded me of, like, Labyrinth or Black Crystal or something like that. Yeah. Or Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal. Yeah, Dark Crystal. Like, yeah, some of the only, like, CGI was touch-ups from probably, like, the snow and stuff like that. And the gingerbread men. And the Krampus jumping along the rooftops and stuff like that. Yeah. But other than that, they must have just really used their budget well. The uh, the opening weekend, unfortunately, they only got $16.2 million. But the uh, overall gross was $42.7 million. Uh, and a, had a worldwide gross of $61.5 million. So they actually oh. did manage to make a lot of their money back. Yeah, nice. I wonder if most of that gross came from Austria or other countries that have the Krampus. Whoa. Whoa. Because, my, yeah, my initial exposure, I guess, to Krampus is Don't Starve, I, the yeah. video game. And it seems to be a good version of it. You, like, steal his sack of shit and then he attacks you with his minions and stuff yeah also apparently there's a festival i don't remember where it's not one of the facts that i have of people dressing up as krampus and running down the street scaring kids oh my so maybe this was very watchable around that time i think they actually (laughs) tried to like tie it in with that event as well so going on to the facts the first one is the bell that max receives actually says uh gross vom krampus which okay. translates to greetings from Krampus. Ah. Yeah. So he's like, hi, bitch. This is my calling card. Hey, Krampus was here. Family's so murdered. Remember. Sorry. Uh, I'm going to skip the next fact because I'm going to leave it to last because it's the one about the ending. Ooh. And it's very large. The second, third fact, actually, is the snow on the ground was made from material that's usually used for diapers. Gross. I see. So the inside of diapers was just everywhere. Flown about. Like, think about some of the... Not used diapers, so it's okay. I don't know, man. I mean, it depends. <laughs> if, it's, if it's city snow, you need that dirt in there. Mm, don't eat yellow snow. But that part where, like, everyone's being sucked down into the snow, that must have been a shit ton of, no pun intended, diaper <laughs> material. It looked... I liked it, because I hate, 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 hate that, like, plastic floof. Oh, yeah. That is used so frequently in movies. I despise it. That's not what snow looks like when it's falling or when it's on you. And it's so hard to keep consistent. Yeah. Whereas here, it, they there were some instances where it looked fake, but overall, it looked pretty real. Maybe it's more expensive to use 
diaper material. So that's where all the $15 million went or cheaper. Yeah. I don't know. Cause yeah, it did look really good. I didn't even, it wasn't even one of those things where I was like, Oh yeah, that's totally fake snow. Yeah. It just looked good. I guess. I think the point is to not take you out of it. Yes, that's true. You're supposed to not even think about it. Fact number two in Max's room, you can see uh, toys of gypsy danger and leatherback from another legendary picture film. Pacific Rim. You love that movie. I love that movie. I can't believe it was 2013. Jesus, that movie is getting old. (laughs) There are also posters from the show Rick and Morty, which is also 2013. Weird. And Robot Chicken, which is 2005. That's inappropriate for him to have on his wall. I mean, he was like... 10? And he had an older sister, and his parents didn't seem to care about anything, so... (laughs) Maybe he'd be like, hey, hey, Oma, or Omi, whatever her name was, I need to go watch some cartoons. They're just cartoons and they're fun. Cartoons. And maybe she didn't get a lot of the inappropriate references. I mean, Rick and Morty is also pretty bad, especially I haven't really age. seen it. All I know is that there's a pickle. It, and Szechuan sauce. It covers, didn't even know that. It covers more mature themes, like sexuality and depression and actual things that kids probably shouldn't be thinking about yet. Whereas Robot Chicken is just like, haha, farts and penises and boobs and stuff. <laughs> Seth Green. Yeah, that's fair. <gasps> My no, what? speaking of Seth Green, he voiced one of the gingerbreads. Oh, did he actually? Yeah. Oh, nice. I didn't see that fact. I'm smart. I guess it was just in the casting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like one of the, those things that somebody would write in the actual. Like how Howie Mandel voiced Gizmo. Yeah. But yeah. no, it wasn't in there, I guess, since you didn't see it. Uh, So this is something I always think about when they show like family images or like baby pictures or something like that is like, were those actually from the actors? Like the office has like the guess the baby chart. Did they actually use? That's for sure them. Or the uh, winter prince, prince Christmas. Night before Christmas. The royal baby. Oh, a Christmas prince. Your, your favorite series on Netflix. Oh, man. And there then, was a third one. How is there already a third one? I watched them all this year. And that latest one had Guess the Baby. Yeah. But the all the photos at the end of this movie were actually Christmas photos. Cast from and crew. Cast and crew, yeah. Nice. Good. Which is always fun. I yeah. mean, why would you pay money to make fake holiday pictures? Yeah, no. All right. My final and biggest fact is... <laughs> The movie's ambiguous ending has spawned two fan theories. Ah. The first one is that the Engels and the family are trapped in the snow globe, condemned to repeat Christmas morning for eternity in a twisted version of hell, which is what we thought. That's, yeah, that's kind of what I assumed. Number two, they were given a second chance, and the snow globe is Krampus's means of watching over them. Oh. Yes. And although writer-director Michael... Dar- daughtery, whatever, was uh, has refused <laughs> to confirm which theory is true. The tie-in comic book Shadow of St. Nicholas confirms that the happy ending is the true one. The comic has murdered characters resurrected without any hint of a twist, showing that the Krampus is willing to give people a second chance as long as they prove they've learned their lesson. So unlike the, his grandmother, Max was actually brave enough to confront the Krampus and prove he'd learned his lesson, which was why Max and his family returned and the grandmothers did not. Oh, that's interesting. I actually like that theory because it also seems like they all acknowledge and remember what had happened. Yeah. So it's like they're, they know. They were like, there was knowing looks being shared. Yeah. But the glowy 
like film that they placed over it really freaked me out and made me question what was happening. Yeah, it kind of looked like the end of Silent Hill when everything was like bright and foggy. Yeah. Which kind of makes it seem like they're in purgatory. But I do like the idea that they now the Krampus is watching them and they don't they don't get a second chance like or they don't get a third chance or whatever. When yes. They, if it ever happens again, he'll come a knocking and then they're going straight to hell. Mm-hmm. Cuz then you look at all the other um snow globes and stuff and it's like it's more like his observation room where he's keeping an eye on everyone rather than all just the trapped souls that he has. He checks them twice. He checks them twice. He's trying to find out which one is impish or admirable. (laughs) But um, the Belschnickel is here and that's it. I don't know. Which one do you like better? The dire ending or the happy ending? It didn't seem like it was for it to be a twisted version of hell. It kind of felt, I wasn't sure what the looks really meant. I think it does fit once you said it, the second one, the good one. Especially knowing that the comics also went in that direction. Uh, Because it wasn't clear enough of what really the family was thinking in that second morning. Yeah, because it did like echo the sounds of the night before in their minds. Right. So, yeah, I think they were just given a second chance and no... Like it was one of those things where they woke up and maybe thought it was a dream or they were under some sort of like memory wipe spell. But then when Max pulls out the bell, everyone's like, oh, right. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. We got to hold this shit down. It is real. Yeah. Everyone knows it, but isn't going to say anything. It's not Israel. It's uh, from Austria. Learn your rules. <laughs> you better learn your rules. If you don't, you'll be eaten in your sleep. <laughs> yeah. The office. <laughs> <laughs> Almost being taken off of Netflix. So my final thoughts, I left these up in the air because I wanted to think about out. what we spoke about is that I don't think I actually liked this movie when we stopped watching it. But the more we talk about it and like thinking back on some of the scenes and now that I know what the pacing is going to be, I feel like I could probably watch it again and enjoy it more than I did the first time. Nice. Okay. I, I think it was the like, long time of nothing happening and nobody dying followed by mass murder that kind of threw me off but now that i know what the entire story is going to be i think i'd probably I, I think i enjoy it more now than i did watching it nice that yeah. actually goes really well with what my final thought is which is that i feel like krampus sort of ended up being two different movies smushed together i didn't know anything going into watching this movie so i kind of for some reason in my brain, I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be like campy and cheesy. But then the first half of the movie of them like having the stressful Christmas and then like even like the sister going away and like Krampus initially arriving was like very serious in tone. It yeah. was still there were comedic parts, but it wasn't that like camp. But it was more like, look stuff. how dumb this family is. Yeah. Which I liked, but and then the tone shifted so much into that camp with like the gingerbread people, which I think the gingerbread guys Side note, are my least favorite part of the movie. Yeah, that's fair. But it was like, then it went into what I was initially expecting from the movie. And I feel like both of those versions would, would have been cool to see as a full film, but I don't love how they smush them together. But overall, I still like it. Good. I would watch it again. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's been Krampus, a movie about why you should never have kids, because they'll grow up to get you eaten by a giant goat man. Next week, we'll be continuing our month of candle nights with a Canadian <gasps> New Year's horror film. Oh, my God. Terror Train from 1980. Terror Train. Ha, 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 ha. Dun, dun. 
Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> and remember, always scream responsibly. Ah. Bye, bye. bye. <laughs>